Hey everybody, so before we jump into today's podcast, I just wanted to A, thank you guys, give you a little bit of a reminder. If you enjoy this content, however you're watching it, consuming it, please like, follow, subscribe, whatever you gotta do, comment on it if you can. Leave us a review, it really helps us out and it can help grow our platform and reach more people. And if you know someone that can benefit from this, please share it with them. If you have a question, if you wanna reach out to us, let us know. And then lastly, we have all of our amazing programs, courses, and coaching available in the resources below. So check that out, definitely take advantage of it. We have everything from free options all the way up to paid programs and everything in between to fit pretty much anyone's budget. And it's just a matter of how customized it's going to be based on the price point. So there's really something for everybody. Thank you guys. Let's get on into the episode. We're jumping right on into it, y'all. We're not even gonna do an intro, not gonna do any of that. We're gonna talk about how we actually question our clients, the assessments, and basically the initial intake pieces of the puzzle that Chuck and myself like to do in our entire team, how we take that information, A, why is it important? B, what are we looking for? And then C, what do we do with that information? And honestly, at the end of this, you guys will get some of that insight so that you could do it, honestly, you could try at least on your own. However, I will caveat that to say like, we're obviously professionals, this is what we do for a living, so it may seem a little bit more challenging, maybe, I don't know, but, just wanted to share that peel again, the curtain back. So if you guys want to do this on your own, you don't want to work with us. That's okay. We'll give you the tools. But honestly, it's like, I, I'm curious if you've heard this story before, Chuck. There's like, this story goes like, hey, someone quotes someone to build a deck in their backyard. And they're like, oh no, it's too expensive. It should be 2,500 bucks. I'm charging 4,000 or whatever the number is. Like, all right, cool. How about this? I'll teach you how to build it. You pay me 2,500 bucks and I'll just, I'll teach you how to do it. You do it on your own because it's that simple, right? Story goes, sure, then you gotta do X, you gotta do Y, you gotta do Z, all these things. It's like, oh, well, I don't have those tools, I don't have that, I don't have this, I don't have that. That's why you pay what you pay. So anyways, we'll, we'll give you guys the tools. You can use them on your own, but I'm gonna just caveat that by saying, don't expect professional results if this is your first time. Yeah, that guy didn't end up with a deck. He ended up with like a little pad, like a wooden pad on his backyard. <laughs> Yeah, just somewhere to step down from the, the glass sliding doors. But all that to say, we're gonna get into it, y'all. So Let's get into Chuck, it. I wanna start with you. I so I say we break this up into three pieces. We'll look at the training piece, we'll look at the nutrition piece, and then we look at like I call this the miscellaneous category or like the mental readiness for change category. Some of the questions yeah. are things that we like to look at. I wanna start with. Um, looking at from our assessments training. Now we're gonna assume two variables or at least some of the basics of we're either seeing this in a video call or we're seeing them in person yeah. based on the, what we're assessing. Cause we even do like with our programming, we have some assessments that we'll do where we send it to a client, they do it on their own and they bring it back to us and we look at the data. But that leaves, truthfully, it does leave some holes for technique issues or things like that. So I think visual, you know, kind of assessment is most impactful. and say all that to say, what do you like to look for in your initial assessment, Chuck? And I figure I'll go into mine from the training side. Yeah, well, for the training side, a lot of things have been done over video now. So I like to do my assessments over video. There's various things that I'm going to look for. So I'll have, you know, prospective clients. Number one, I, I like to have them just walk a straight line. And I'm going to look at any type of, you know, imbalances as they're just walking in a straight line. 
Um, it gives me an eye, especially as they're walking away from me. Uh, it gives me an eye for any injuries that they've had because I can spot that out right away. Maybe they're not going to tell me. You know, they may it may be not on the top of their head. You know, that they're not thinking of it. Me, my entire left side of my body has been broken. So when I when everybody asks me, you know, do you have any injuries? There's way too many to list. So for me, I just say, no, I'm good. And I go about my day. Who's <laughs> on past it? Who's on past it? And a lot of people will do that. They, the injuries that they have, it may be a minor injury to them that they're not seeing that it's throwing off their gait or it's throwing off their balance as they're walking away. So I like to have them do a walk uh, away and towards me. I'll have them do a squat where I'm going to look at them from all four sides. Um, and just like, usually I'm just going to put a chair down and I'm going to have them just sit in a chair. Um, and, and I'll and I'll look at that versus having them try to put their hands or their hands overhead. I like sometimes to have them put their hands over their head and do a squat. But again, usually when the people put their hands over their head and they do a squat, they're going to lean forward uh, and it's going to put more pressure on their knees. So I'll throw a chair down and I'll have them just sit in a chair and do a squat that way. I like them to do a push up where I can have them see any type of again imbalances off their push up and their form. You know, me form police. Um, and I like to have them do a lunge, uh, a completely unassisted coaching lunge, uh, and just kind of gauge where they're at from there. There's obviously, if, if I have them here in person, I can do a lot more stuff where I can have them try to do a pull-up, um, or I can have them do various other exercises. But those are like my four biggest things that I like to look at. And again, it's mostly just me eyeballing where the client is. I don't want to give them any coaching and I don't want to have them give me any feedback. I just want to look to see how they're performing those basic four things that I'm asking them to do and then go from there and kind of jot down my notes. And then I'll ask them, hey, um, what's wrong with your shoulder? What was the injury in your shoulder? What's going on with your hip? And then they're, oh yeah, yeah, that's when I got that. I got this going on. So those are my four biggest ones that I usually go off of. I like it. I wrote them down too, because I want to reference back to this later. So what I'll give you mine, like my top, same thing. I'll go with four. And then I figure we'll dive into why we like these so much. You kind of already alluded to it, but I figured we, we can dig into there a little bit more. So my four are very similar. I actually like that you pointed out the gate assessment, just the walking assessment. That's actually one I don't leverage as much as mine. It's going to kind of probably change my approach just slightly. Um, one is overhead squat assessment or a squat assessment. I think to your point, the overhead component can be really challenging for people like myself included. I have an excessive forward lean. So when I am squatting that just because of my lower back injuries I've accumulated over the years, I've had to continuously strengthen lower back and my posture and, you know, all the, just even in the, the cervical uh, spine and, and thoracic, spine, everything going up my, my posterior chain has had to be a focal point. So that's something I like to use a to see mobility and to see imbalances from the again forward and lean anterior to posterior side so that's definitely a big one for me is the overhead just to touch on your overhead squat assessment too mike a lot of people have this misconception because of like old school training methods of foot placement when you do a squat and your foot placement is super key especially when you're doing something like an overhead squat you're supposed to be driving your knees out and a lot of people aren't aware that they're doing that. So as they're doing that, you know, you keep your feet shoulder width apart and keep your toes pointed straight, and, you know, and then that's gonna drive you even more forward. So keep in mind that, you know, this is, these are some of the things that we're looking for. Sorry to interrupt your fourth. 
No, that's a, that's a great point. And just to piggyback on that too, like there's this big misconception. I fed into it too earlier in my training career of knees should never go past your toes, right? right. And there, there's a time and a place for it, like a Bulgarian split squat. Or, and like, and that's where like working with acceleration and even since we, when we start working together, development and performance kind of pathway, understanding when and where that's going to be okay and the dynamics and the anatomy and the physiology of the knee joint and just your overall body can be a key component there as well. But so that's the first one. We got overhead squat assessment going to be really revering. If I had honestly probably one, just one movement I could do, I'd probably do that one just because of the amount of data it'll do. Then I like to go to a plank. My favorite overall movement is probably the plank or maybe, I don't know, maybe a pull-up or a deadlift, truthfully, just because I'm, I'm favoring those. But plank can be really revealing as far as overall core strength. The, the Again, being in an isometric, we don't have to move through a lot of motions and just being really technical. Because everyone's plank can be a little wonky or different depending on where they're at in their development. Yeah. So knowing hip positions, all that. So second one is plank. Third one, to your point, also push-ups. I'm a big fan of just seeing, again, muscular endurance, upper body-wise, from a functional standpoint, and just from like, Looking at the mechanics for all these movements, I like to try and not go too much into coaching the first time we do them to see what their body naturally wants to do to get, again, elicit that response and feedback. And then my last one, the fourth one, it this one actually varies quite, not quite a bit, but it'll, depending on who the person is, because again, I'm making, we're making some general assumptions. When it's more athletic based, we'll dive into even more of the, you know, kind of um, energy systems that are going to be needed for that particular athlete or person or event. For example, fighters are going to have to deal with both aerobic and anaerobic systems. So I like to do a, maybe a beat test or a step test to assess yeah. their work capacity, as well as then maybe looking at like a, a deadlift 10 rep max or something along those lines or pull-ups. Honestly, I'm a really big fan of doing pull-ups. So my fourth exercise is when, and you're going to know a client, like you can usually kind of see right away. If a client doesn't, if they can do like three push-ups, they're not going to probably be able to do a pull-up even, or like looking at their body, don't put them in an uncomfortable position right. where you make them do something they can't do. But I like a pull-up or an assisted pull-up or a lat pull-down to get an idea, again, posterior chain, what's their, you know, muscular endurance and range of motion and the workload that they can handle. So those are my four, by the way. So now let's bring it back, Chuck, to why we picked these. I'm going to turn that to you. Yeah, well, it also depends on the level of client that we're dealing with. You know, if we're getting somebody who hasn't trained ever in their entire life, obviously I'm going to pick four uh, assessment tools that are going to give me the idea as to where kind of that they, they fall into the category. If I know I'm giving an assessment to a fighter, obviously that, that my all four of my assessments are going to change. You know, I would go into a deadlift. I would go into a pull-up. I would go into other various things. I'll probably even do a bench press test with the, with the fighter. Um, it, it all depends, or even like a floor press. I was doing floor presses today. Uh, it, it all depends on the level of client that we're dealing with. And again, it, we're trying to assess and gauge where we want to build your fundamental program and where we're going to be, you know, that program, how it's going to be beneficial towards you. We obviously don't want to build something that you're going to get defeated with, you know, doing the first exercise and you'll be like, ah, it's way too difficult for me. I don't want to do it. Our overall goal is to not have you be so sore after your first workout that you're so turned off to it that you don't want to come back. And I know a lot of 
trainers, you know, that you know, or coaches or whatever you want to call them that, that fall victim to beating the ever loving hell out of a client, the first exercise or the first session that they have. And then that client is so turned off because they're so sore the next day that they don't even want to go to work the next day, that they don't even want to even think about working out again. Our overall goal is to have you have a progression into getting you into a healthier lifestyle. So does that mean that your first exercise, you know, your first uh, program, your first, you know, day in the gym is going to be 10 to 12 exercises? No, it's probably going to be something about three to four exercises. And you just to you know, get you being more mobile, get you being more limber, get you to gear up to doing more of a dynamic type of workout. For sure. And that's like, to your point, Chuck, that's like a big thing that I also see, even in the, like the group fitness space of when group classes are going or live videos, like coaches can sometimes talk about, in my opinion, that's the difference between, again, between a trainer and a coach. A coach is probably going to be more experienced in this area and may not fall into this trap, but we've been there. I've been there myself earlier in my career of wanting to say, well, Hey, I kicked their ass. I made them puke or, you know, they could barely walk or like, which maybe feels good in the time. Cause you challenge them and you, you showed dominancy or like you showed like, Hey, how out of shape you are. But to your point, like, again, from a consistency, sustainability and having them want to show up again, some people actually do respond well to that. But most of the time, most people, myself included, and even athletes are going to not want to feel like shit. They're going to want to feel like you're adding value to them. And that's why most of them are coming to us because they don't feel good or they haven't hit their goal or they haven't felt like they're in that pathway to get to where they want to be. And part of that is making them feel good and getting some of those early wins. So even going to all the movements that I've picked and that you've picked too, is like what we're looking to get from, from my perspective is I always like to look at a balance. Like where are we imbalanced? We all have imbalances, myself included. Mine is mostly like I've paid a lot of attention to my posterior chain. So now it's actually more so in my chest and shoulders because I've worried about my posture so much that I might even have some weakness relative to that. So looking at where's our balance front to back, are we stronger in our anterior side, posterior side, or like pushing versus pulling left to right even. And that's why I like with, as you mentioned, like lunges or squats, we can kind of see any of those components. So that's why I like being able to do overhead squat. It shows a lot of imbalances potentially, or some areas we want to work on being able to understand pushups. So muscular endurance wise, pushing and then pull-ups versus pulling where we might have to work there and plank. If our core is not strong, uh, the rest of it's going to be shit either way. And then being mindful of lower body, again, going back to the overhead squat or being able to add a, another movement in addition to that. So that's like the why, in my opinion. And what's cool about, especially the overhead squat, you guys can access this. We can even add in a PDF. There's a very nice checklist that NASM actually created as a resource that you could even just Google that allows you to look at like, hey, do you have an excessive forward lean? Do you have your knees pinching in? Do you have your feet rotating out or turning in or, or heels flat? And this is the thing. There's subtle things you have to know how to look for. And that's where I think the trained eye comes in. But even if you just record it and look back, you can go through a checklist and it'll make recommendations on, oh, okay, you have an excessive forward lean. So we have to pay attention to the posterior chain. We have to work on maybe some supermans or some hyperextensions or things like that to build that up. So that's like the why, you know, in my opinion, I like to look at these things and the actionable steps that we can take to be able to say like, all right, now we got this information. This is what we're going to do with it as well. Yeah, I like that. There's an app called Coach's Eye as well. And I like to use that a lot to record uh, when a client is doing some of these type of movements so I can show them their imbalances as they're actually doing the movement. Like it's a sliding scale, so you can like reverse it and show them kind of how it is and give it through a slow-mo. Uh, and it'll show actually the movement how it's supposed to be and then the movement how the client is doing it. 
Um, so I like using that tool as well. So it's a beneficial tool for me to show them exactly how they're imbalanced when they should be doing it. Because in their mind, they're doing it correctly. Exactly, they don't have that. And that's, I think, the other piece of where a coach, where that external factor comes into play, is having that cue to saying, hey, you may think you're in this position. And that's why I like, to your point, Chuck, the video side of it, it's visual confirmation. Oh, wow, I do have an excessive forward leaner. Oh, I'm not getting as deep into the movement as I ideally want and being able to have that as a reference point. So that's kind of like the nuggets we wanted to take away from the training side. So I just wanted to say thank you guys again for watching, listening, consuming that episode. If you guys enjoyed it and you haven't already, please like, uh, please comment. If you haven't reviewed, please leave a review. If you haven't followed or subscribed, please do that as well. Again, it tremendously helps us out. And then just a quick reminder, if you guys want more resources, we have them below. We have our programs, everything from free all the way up to paid and kind of everything in between dial in with the customization and we have more information on different programs and resources in our newsletter. So if you haven't signed up for that, do so below. It's free. And that is it y'all. See you on the next one.